Welcome to Tax-Free Living, guys. I'm so excited to have this show today. I have a very special guest with me. His name is David Fabi. His name is Dr. David Fabi. And he's going to tell you a little bit of background about himself. But part of the reason why I'm excited to bring him onto the show today is because uh, Dr. Fabi and I, we both share the same social media uh, company as a resource. And we both drive fast cars. And I think that we have similar mindsets when it comes to business and what we want for our lives today. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you guys to Dr. Fabi. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, so first, Carlton, I just want to thank you for having me. You know, this is uh, it's been a long time coming. And uh, as we were just rapping before this, you know, we're like, dude, I feel like I know you already. I feel that vibe through the phone, you know, and that's something I think that's something special. That's something cool. You know, particularly because, you know, you mentioned about like the passion for cars, you know. So, yeah, we got to get you on the racetrack. You know, once you do it, man, you'll see. It's 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 like a drug. Um, <laughs> it's a good drug. You know, there's there's worse drugs out there. Um, I'll be honest, not cheap. But you know what? It's like, what do we work hard for? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, it looks like and you know, it seems like you're the person type that wants to, you know, live a life of fulfillment live life on your terms, right. you know, and I'm not saying your terms from a greedy standpoint or a power standpoint, but just like having options. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, as opposed to kind of like, just, just kind of like just grinding for the sake of grinding without having, you know, that, that, that goal, that vision of one financial independence where you can pursue other dreams, you yep. know, because I think, and I preach this all the time is that, I think as human beings, we're not unidimensional. We're like multidimensional, right? So like, I mean, for me, I don't like, I don't wanna be like, like being an orthopedic surgeon defines me, you know, because there's a lot more facets to who I am, right. to, who right. who, to who David is. And I just don't wanna just focus on one area. Obviously I do focus on it and put 110% of my whole heart and soul. Cause like, that's what I expect I hold myself to high standard, but every other important endeavor also I want to bring that same type of energy. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, where do you want me to start? You tell me. Should I just uh, well to catch to catch the viewers up, um, guys? We were talking about vehicles right before we started this podcast um, to bring you guys up to speed. Both David and I drive Porsches. I drive a 718 Cayman. David, what car do you drive? Is yours a 911? Yeah, so I got a 911 uh, GT3 RS. So it's the um, the track focused uh, road car that they got. So it's pretty much built for the track. It's based on their race car models. So it's got the big fat wing on the back. I love it. I call it the Batmobile. You know, so uh, it's a blast. But you know, the 718 Caymans. You know, speaking about the racetrack. You know, those are great for the racetrack because they're mid engine. So they have a lot of balance. They can handle corners very well, and it's a good good place to to really learn uh, race craft and learn skills. So, yeah, I've always been a Porsche guy. You know, my dad had a, a 928 growing up and I do think- you like, Do you like going fast? Because we were just talking about speed right before yes. this conversation and that led into entrepreneurship and that can yeah. go, uh, we could talk about entrepreneurship for hours, yeah. but yeah. do you like going fast in your car? Yes, yes, I'll absolutely. About, about the speed. What did, yeah, what did you know, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, the movie Ford versus Ferrari, you know, um, one of my favorite movies. And it's it's a great movie just for people who, who, who aren't even race car fans or whatever race fans. But Matt Damon says at the beginning of the movie is like there's there's a point when you hit like 7000 RPMs, 8000 RPMs where you feel like you're flying, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I think that's so true. You know, I think uh, 
I guess I like to like to move fast. It's a good paradigm for like my mentality. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I like to move fast in life, you know, and uh, it's just something, the adrenaline. And uh, what I love about it is that you have to be focused. You right. know, you got to stay in the present. I know it's a cliche. You got to keep it, you got to appreciate the moment. But if your mind's elsewhere, if you're listening to all this background, background noise in your head, it can be dangerous, yeah. you know? So, yeah. I mean, I love going fast. Um, you know, but we also say like any bozo can drive fast, in a, uh, fast in a straight line. Mm -hmm. It's handling those corners around the racetrack, getting those G forces, uh, those centripetal forces that, that are, that are really fun. So yeah, mm -hmm. you got to do it, man. So yeah. let's, let's roll out, man. If you're free, uh, you know, my car, um, is currently getting, getting fixed. It got stolen, but was recovered. Uh, thank God. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, I got stolen uh, last month. Um, luckily, uh, it was recovered like f within four hours of me discovering it was stolen. Well, that's and, uh, was it just yeah. Location at the time, or what was so it? yeah. So I was um, I was in India, California, at a hotel. Yeah, uh, I was staying at a hotel because I was going to go uh, to a racetrack in Desert Center, um, which is about an hour, hour and a half away. And uh, I parked it in, a, in the parking lot, the Hampton Inn, you know, and uh, it was well lit. It was on the back of, uh, I had a truck, a rented truck, a Penske truck with an open trailer, yeah. which I guess is my lesson to have that car kind of out in the open on an open trailer. But, you know, this was Friday at 10 p.m. I get to the parking lot around 6, 6 a.m. and I realized it's gone. You know, like I couldn't believe it at first, but I'm like, yeah, it's gone. And what they did they stole the truck because that was the easy part yeah but then they realized they couldn't get the car off the trailer because it's pretty it's almost impossible to hotwire porsche yeah you know but uh you know unfortunately <laughs> they they drilled a drill a hole through the door to get in they oh. punched in the ignition and they they broke my hood uh probably thinking that my uh my engine was in the hood and on top of that, like all my race gear wasn't was in a big duffel bag in the trunk or in the hood and it was gone but you know what? It's uh, could have been worse. Um, just glad it was recovered. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's lessons that, that are learned from it. And uh, honestly, it's just motivate, motivated me more to get back on the racetrack because the vision is for me to um, it's a lofty vision, but for me to to, to race in the 24 hour Le Mans uh, race. Yeah. So yeah. really, so you want yeah. to eventually do some races? Yeah, I want to go next level, man. 10x. Oh, so, I love that. Yeah. We're going to talk about the 10x mentality that you have yeah. and, and wanting to go next. But I want to go back to this feeling that you you said that you had when you go really fast, this yeah. feeling of being weightless. I feel yes. like I, I experienced that feeling in driving too. When I'm going yeah. really fast, I feel like I'm weightless. And it reminds me of the feeling that I have when I'm doing other practices to put myself in a place where I'm calm and still. Meditation yes. is one of the things yes. that I regularly almost every single morning. And the same feelings that I have while I'm meditating, that ability where I feel like I'm somewhat in control through my breathing, I yes. feel like I have some of that control when yeah. I'm going so fast, even though at any moment you can lose yeah. control. And yeah. that, that feeling for me, I crave that in my life. Obviously, I'm not going extremely fast every single day, but these toys that we have they also contribute to not only our happiness. I think if you're utilizing them a certain way, they can contribute to your health a bit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I never thought about it in that lens, you know, in that mm -hmm. frame. And, and I really like that, you know, because, 
Yeah, to me, I think meditation takes a lot of forms, right? Meditation essentially is getting back to your breathing and being in the moment. And yeah, there's something, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think, granted, like you're in a Porsche, so it feels like you're in control. That's that's one of the values of the Porsche. It's like so well balanced, like going like 120 miles per hour doesn't feel like 120 miles per hour. It almost feels like 80, you know? Um, but yeah, it's something it's something visceral. It's something ethereal. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, as a car materialistic, but I'm for sure, I'm sure for you and for me, it's something that it's, it's, it's more what it symbolizes. It's more what it does for our mentality rather than, you know, having that material thing to quote unquote show off or whatnot, yeah. or to make us feel better about ourselves, you know, yeah. because, Cars aren't going to do that. Boats are going to do that. You know, we got to feel better about ourselves from within. But yeah, no, I like I, I like what that is. I think it's one. It's like I think it's 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 lim- it's pushing limits, right? Yeah. And knowing that you're going beyond that, and you're still good. Mm-hmm. That you're still like, you know, you're not veering off. You know, um, things feel fine. And I think it's 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 like. It's like a trust, I guess, you know, kind of like a faith, so to speak. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I got I, I, I to gotta think about that a little more, but I, I like that analogy. I well, like that it, analogy. It, it, it all rolls back to the same thing that you said. You know, at the end of the day, a vehicle is a materialistic thing. You know, God forbid you could have been in the car when they were trying to take that vehicle. So we're, you know, we, we are reminded that these vehicles are materialistic things. But I also look at how the vehicle has contributed to my personal business. I have a lot of clients that use vehicles for tax write-offs. I do as well, but I also use the vehicle as a marketing mechanism. I know that as a young tax accountant, being only 27 years old, it was hard to show entrepreneurs that were making seven and eight figures that I had a knowledge level, a skill set to be able to show them how to reduce their tax bill legally. But when I purchased this vehicle and I started driving it around to those same locations, and then I started posting this vehicle online with that same level of information I was providing, I was commanding a little bit more respect from some of these older clients that felt that it required having certain vehicles or certain levels of income to understand tax law the way I've understood it and to be able to help people. And so that paradigm that that I was able to figure out it's kind of helped me. I feel like yeah. I'm utilizing that vehicle in marketing. How has your vehicle helped you in marketing and what has social media done for you as a surgeon? Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, one kind of, kind of piggybacking on what you're saying. It's like, it, it's just the way the world goes around, right? It's like, if you're talking to clients and you show up in a Pinto, you know, that kind of like, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, you know, yeah, it's maybe prejudgment, but it's like, the credibility naturally goes down, you right. know? So unfortunately you got to kind of play that play, play to that quote unquote game, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think from a marketing standpoint, it's brilliant. You know, it's something unique. It's something fresh, you know, because like, I guess, you know, the, the status quo is to have billboards, to be like in magazines, to be in, um, to be in, uh, in, in, in like bus stops, but, here you are something that you're driving every day. So it's a mobile advertisement. Right. And when you got a mobile advertisement, it's, it's gaining virality. It's gaining, it's getting traction literally and figuratively, you know? So um, no, I think it, it's smart. And I know um, 
one of my buddies, I don't know if you know him, Dan Falkerson. Um, he's a, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Who doesn't know Dan? But like, I mean, yeah, he's, you know, he's something that, you know, he's, he, he had that idea. He's got this fleet of cars, you know, that he parks every, you know, in certain hotspot locations in San Diego with his advertising on it. And I think it's just, it's brilliant. It's brilliant business. You know, it's, 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 it's brilliant from a marketing standpoint. It's brilliant from a tax standpoint yeah. because yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a business tool that you're using. And, and then for me, yes, I write off mine, you know, um, and also what I use when I put on the racetrack, I put my advertising on it. Good. So, you know, a lot of the people that, you know, that, that I'm racing with are older in the demographic that, um, of course, a lot of younger, but, you know, I've gained a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I've had a lot of people come to my office because of that advertising. Right. Same. Yeah. And yeah. I do some of the same things that you do as, yeah. as you put your decals or logos on the vehicle. Yeah. I do as well. I put my Instagram yeah. uh, handle on my Porsche. And I will never forget a year ago, I pulled up to a stop, a stop sign and I had this guy kind of staring at me and I could tell that he was looking for something. I was like, are you looking inside my car for something? Yeah. He's very adamant about staring at me, staring at my vehicle. Um, 10 minutes later, I get a notification on my phone. Hey, saw that you're a tax strategist. I'm in need of a bookkeeper. Can we schedule a call? Yeah. I just think that it's so funny how you can earn business literally. Yeah by having a decal on your car and then yeah. even more so with the Porsche yeah parking it in the right places right if you're yeah. going to the gym valet in the front park it yeah. in the front be noticed right yeah yeah and, you know command attention and attention leads to more business and I think yeah. that's something that's very monumental in my industry is you know sometimes you know the, the most well-known tax accountant may not be well known but the person yeah. who commands the most attention is viewed as the well-known tax account. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's like, and it doesn't take much, right? Right. You just put one little sticker, you know, and uh, yeah, I mean, how, how, how has it helped me from advertising standpoint, you know, too, it's like also kind of going back uh, to what we were talking about before, you know, um, for me, the car is, it's, it's way beyond a material thing. We've mentioned that, but kind of what it symbolizes in terms of the hard work, that I put in, you know, this was my dream car, like 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And here I am, you know, so that it symbolizes all the hard work, dedication that I put in, you know, and then on top of that, me and that car, we've been through a lot, you know, we've yeah. been through crashes, we've been through flat tires, blown tires. Now we've been through a lot of cars being stolen, but we're still here, you know, we're still going to race. So, um, you know, and that, that's what I love. And, also, I've used it, I've leveraged it with social media, you know, because a lot of my patients, you know, they, they support my racing career, you know, they were like, you know, they know the car that I drive. So it kind of, kind of, kind of gives it pop, it gives it flash, you know, and um, yeah, and like, fortunately, you know, and this, you know, this is not my MO, it doesn't come off as, as me being flashy, or me being pretentious, you know, because, you know, they kind of, a lot of them know who I am at a core, my core being, and that's, that's just me being authentic. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's worked on a lot of levels. It's worked on a lot of levels. And, when, did uh, your, when did your racing career begin or when yeah. did that passion start? So, you know, when I was growing up, I never like, I'd see people like so much into cars, so much into watching, um, 
uh, a sports like racing sports, Formula One, NASCAR, all that stuff, IndyCar. And yeah. I didn't get it. You know, I think a lot of people just a certain level uh, like cars, like the look of the cars, but I wasn't in it deep like that, like head deep, like a lot of people. I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I had a Nissan 350Z at that point, but then I got, I got, I got, then I got my first Porsche. I'm like, now I get it. You know, now <laughs> I get it. You know, I'm sure you felt the same way. You're like, just the way it handles, the way, the way it drives. I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. And then I was in Vegas one time with one of my buddies and uh, he's like, bro, you know, like Fabi, we got to go to the racetrack and uh, you know, test out some cars. I'm like, yeah, for sure. You know? So, um, so we went to this place called exotics in Las Vegas and they have this full inventory of exotic cars, like Lambos, Ferraris, Porsches, and I got into some and got in a racetrack. I'm like, oh, this is this is so dope, you know. So ever since then, it was like it was like I just went for it. So I started off at the Porsche Experience Center. You know, I went there like three times in like two months. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's when I just started feeding the beast. And uh, initially I was scared to put my own car on the racetrack. But finally I did. And ever since then, it's just been like, you know what? The passion there is so strong. Like I can't stop thinking about it, you know. Um, when you can't stop thinking about it, when you're obsessed about something, you know, you can't, you can't disrespect that. Right. No. You know, one of my favorite, one of my favorite concepts is like, don't get buried with your dreams, you know? So this is a dream that, that I discovered two years ago. And, um, you know, I, I'm going to go for it. We'll see what happens, you know, but I believe, I think you got to be delusional uh, Will Smith says you got to be delusional to achieve lofty goals. Yes. And like a lot of the game changers, you know, world changers were thought of as delusional, thought of as crazy, but they believed and look what they were able to accomplish. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, so this, this year I really kind of just took it 10 X level. You know, I'm like, my goal is to do a hundred, a hundred track days, um, uh, last year. And I did. So uh, this year, next level is to get in a competition, get a, get a real Porsche race car, and then we'll keep going from there, keep growing, keep progressing. So I love yeah. that, man. And yeah. I love that you said that you had this itch in your, inside yourself that said, I have to do this. Yeah. I feel like there's so many people that have that itch, but rather than just feeding it, they find ways to not feed it. They're looking for every single excuse not to move forward with something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so sad because we are so reminded every single day that life is something that should not be taken for granted. COVID-19, God forbid, you know, it, it, it impacted so many lives. There's so many families that have lost family members. Yeah. But there's still children who have lost family members, who have watched their parents and grandparents pass away, that are still doubting themselves and not going after what they want in their lives, knowing that they're only given 90, 85, 90 years of life. Yeah. And yeah. It, it hurts watching that. And so yeah, yeah. as thought leaders in this world, what are some of the things that you're doing to try to inspire business owners or try to inspire people to go after what they truly want in life and how have you been able to share that in your own world yeah so i'll you know i'll go back to you know social media so there's like three pillars to what my what i'd use social media for or what i focus on one pillar is you know my racing career um 
Another pillar is my orthopedic practice. And the final pillar, but it encompasses all, is motivation. So anything I post, whether it's cars, whether it's racing, whether it's orthopedics related, anything has a motivational kind of um, uh, caption to it. You know, so, um, you know, that's what I'm doing. You know, so that's part of what I'm doing. And I think a big demographic that I work on are younger healthcare providers, you know, because there's a lot of self-doubt there. There's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of kind of people get in their face saying, don't go into medicine because the money's not there. It's too challenging. So it all comes back to fear, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, there's a lot of fear and like, it can be a lot of excuses. Um, but I think it all starts with that motivation. Something's got to give you a spark to right. go for it, right? And everybody's got their different stories, you know, because, you know, people have kind of grown up in impoverished areas or like didn't have the opportunities available to them. But, you know, what I also preach is that like one ninety-seven. they say 97% of all knowledge is on the internet, you know, so it's there. Yeah. It's at your fingertips. It's simple. It's, it's very simple, but it's, it's often hard, meaning it's hard to take that initiative and do it. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one, it's like, we're only, like you said, you know, it got, it got me chills when you said you're only here for 85, 90 years, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, I don't like wasted time, you know, like I only have a limited amount of time on this world. And I want my gravestone to say, like, here's a man who gave life and everyone else's everything. So that's what like motivates me. You know, I want to leave a legacy so that other in that I'm helping other people live a legacy, you, you know, so time, doctor? I just want to yeah. hear it again. What's that? The gravestone yeah. or the last one? Yeah. So I want, I, want my, I want my gravestone to say, here's a man or here's a human being that gave life and gave everyone his everything. Um, and then also I want to leave a legacy in terms of helping others leave their own legacy. You know, so that's, that's, self. That's, that's, that's what I'm about. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Is divine. And it is yeah. really part of the reason that we are here, which is to yeah. help others. And in return, that helping of others helps ourselves. And that is the true, true gift of life is just being truly grateful and, and spreading yeah. gratitude. And it's, yeah. and I, no, I mean, I think, you know, if you really, if you think about it, we have, we have billions and billions of cells like in our body, right? Right. And those cells interact and you do the math, you know, um, you know, and all those permutations, it's infinite. So I think there's infinite potential within all of us. It's just, how do you, how do you unleash that? How do you harness that? You know, it's, it's hard work, right? I mean, yes. you've worked hard. There's no shortcuts. Yes. And I think a good place to start is just, you know what, pick up a book, see where it goes. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the first books that I read is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yeah. And that helped me believe that it's possible help me believe um and help give me the formula how to how to get there yeah and um help motivate me you know um so a lot of people that i mentor that i talk to i'm like this is the the book to start with and it's not about making money it's about living a rich lifestyle but of course i mean who's going to sit here and say you know i don't want to be financially free i don't want to have financial you know, free, uh, comfortability, you know, financial stability. Um, if someone tells you that they're, 
they're probably not entirely honest, you know? So, I mean, it, 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 it's real, you know? So it's all about finding that individual and finding what their story is and how you can find a way to help them find that spark. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I love hearing that. So you talked about, you know, finding that spark and, and staying consistent. And yeah. for you, that's led to you becoming a business owner. So yeah. tell me a little bit about what got you into becoming a business owner. I mean, most yeah. of the I've dealt with are typically at normal hospitals like Kaiser Permanente and you started your own practice. So when did that happen and what challenges did you face getting that off the ground? Yeah. So um, now I'm in my 11th year of practice and I joined a private group. So it was already established. There's like six other surgeons in there and we're all orthopedic surgeons, but we all have subspecialties. Uh, So I focus on my subspecialty is hip and knee replacements. Um, We have two spine surgeons, a foot and ankle surgeon, a hand surgeon, another joint replacement surgeon and a sports medicine surgeon. So that was already there. But the reason why I went into private practice, so usually there's three buckets for uh, basically three buckets for where you want your career as a doctor. One is to be a hospital employee. You know, you mentioned that, you know, like the Kaisers of the world, all that stuff, which has kind of come more and more kind of prevalent. Um, there's being an academic, so being involved in an academic institution, and there's finally the private practice world. One, I realized like I couldn't work for a boss, okay? Because one, you know, I tend to be a disruptor. You know, I tend to like not like status quo. So, you know, I probably get fired if I had a boss. You know, that's just the way I roll. So I wanted to have have freedom in that sense. You know, I mean, and I think most people's dream is to to be work for themselves, right? You know, so there's really no one that I answer to, which which I like. You know, um, on top of that, there was so much more potential. You know, and I went into this, obviously, to help people first and foremost, you know, that's, that's my purpose. Yeah. But of course, I put in all this time, all this opportunity costs that have been missed, all this time investment, also all this financial investment with loans. And it's all about value. I wanted to maximize the value of the work that I put in and the work that I will put in. So the potential in terms of financial gains, private practice, was leaps and bounds higher than academics or being a hospital employee. Yes. Now, the flip, the flip side is, yeah, I mean, I got to put in more work to, uh, to build a busy practice, whereas you're a hospital employee, your academics, the, the patients come to you, you know? Didn't you have so, more risk? I mean, I- yeah, I mean, literally, yeah. I mean, it's not like my clinic was full right when I started, right? Yeah. I had to hit the ground running. I had to work for that. It just doesn't come to you, whereas those other practices, it comes to you. You get a salary, it's comfortable, but, but literally for me, it's like, you know, uh, I gotta, I got I gotta put in the work day by day, you know, because if I'm not, then, you know, my bottom line, um, is affected, you know, it's literally a day by day, month by month thing, you know, luckily I've put in that legwork where now it's just, just kind of like something that just kind of well-oiled, just kind of, kind of, kind of organic and just feeds itself, um, so those were the reasons. And, uh, you know, I also like to um, kind of innovate and being in the private practice world, that gives me more opportunity to, to innovate within that realm. I also knew that I wasn't big into research or, or like, um, so if I was big into research, I'd probably push more towards the academic realm. So, yeah. yeah, that's the reason. But, you know, throughout, I realized, I found out that I had these entrepreneurial, this entrepreneurial spirit, you know. Um, and when that's... And- started did you did you 
graduate already um, and, and had already obtained your doctorate degree and you went straight into private practice and yes. did, what yes. did the process look like for you? Were you obtaining a loan? Did you have money saved up? Yeah. How was that process? So, so for medical school, luckily my parents, you know, paid for my college ed education at the University of Michigan. Go blue. Um, nice. yeah. <laughs> the, the football team not doing so well right now, but it's all good. You know, I'm just focusing. I'm focusing on how strong we are academically. So um, that's why I support the colors still. Um, so I took out loans from medical school, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'll be forthcoming. You know, I had like 150k in loans. So, um, and then residency, yeah, you know, we get we we get paid. So those four years of medical school, and then we do five years extra training after medical school of uh, kind of training with other physicians, and that's residency. Um, yeah, we get we get paid, but um, it's pretty much like minimal wage, minimum wage for the amount of hours that we put in because we're clocking at least 80 hours a week, wow. and then. Um, and then uh, after my five years, I did one year of specialty training in hip and knee replacements. So it was 10 years after college, you know? So wow. going into private practice, I had debt, you know, I had this loan debt. So I didn't have any money saved up. Um, there was no signing bonus that I got. Mm -hmm. You know, I start off with a salary until I broke even with my private practice, you know? And honestly, I'll tell you, you know, when I was salaried, I mean, yeah, I was hungry, you know, I was putting the time to get patients and whatnot, but like once I broke even and it was basically eat what I kill, meaning non-salaried kind of like whatever service I did, you know, that, that reimbursement was coming to me, you know, honestly, it, it's, it's just true. I mean, that motivates you more, right? I mean, it, it's just, just the nature of the beast, you know, it's the way the world goes around. And then as I've gone through that, I realized because they don't teach us business school, uh, business skills in, in medical school or residency. It's something that we kind of have to seek on our own or we learn on the fly. Right. And I realized, you know, there was this inherent kind of business acumen within me. And then as I've grown, I turned to, uh, I've learned that there's a passion behind that. Um, it goes back to like kind of my, uh, my disruptor kind of rebel, rebel type uh, spirit that, um, yeah. And, and I realized there was something in there that I wanted to continue to develop. Mm -hmm. So in terms of um, building a business uh, about three years ago or about two and a half years ago, when we started the project about four years ago, uh, me and a few other surgeons in San Diego, we opened up our own surgery center. Okay. Wow. So it's an outpatient surgery center. There's a lot of risk, a lot of financial investment, a lot of time investment, a lot of sweat equity. Um, but basically um you know, it's a place where we do surgery and we are in charge of the facility. So number one, we have control and I'm not like this power hungry person, but it's nice to have further say, further input to develop your own culture, as opposed to be, being beholden to the hospital because the hospital plays a different game, you know, yes. and yes. Uh, it's just, there's a lack of appreciation, you know, it kind of like, it's kind of, they're kind of using us, so to speak. And, you know, I think uh, opening up this, 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 this surgery center was also part of, I think, the physician empowerment movement, you know, because oftentimes, you know, we've been taken advantage of. And I think a lot of doctors make the excuse that, you know, I'm too busy, um, but you can't be too busy for this. You know, you have a voice. So this is part of that paradigm, part of that concept. So that's why I believed in it. And yeah, I mean, uh, it's taken a lot of time, but it's been, it's been awesome. You know, we've developed our own culture um, and it's a culture of 
people loving to come to work. Everybody's got input. Everybody's opinion is valued. And when that happens, you know, your patient care goes up exponentially, you know, because people want to be there and that shows, you know, cause like, it's like you say you go to, I'm not saying like healthcare is a restaurant, but I'm using it as an experience, like an analogy. Like you go to, you go to a store, you go to a restaurant and you go there, you go to a, a store where you can tell that employee doesn't want to be there. Yeah. You know, you're like, I'm out of here. You know, whereas you get someone that greets you, they're happy. They're loving what they do. You're like, you know what? I'm coming back, you know? So yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. And then I continue to, you know, it's a lot of reading. So like they elected me CEO of, uh, of the surgery center. I'm like, you know, I just don't want the paper title. Like I got to show up, you know, yeah. like, so I took it upon myself where I had to learn these CEO skills. So I just, I just hit the books. I do a lot of audiobooks. So I learned on developing those leadership skills. Cause before I'd say 10 years ago, if you asked me, can you be a leader? I'd say, no, it's just not in me. But, and honestly, that like I use, that was bullshit. You know, it's, I think it's within all of us. You just got to tap into it. So, yeah. You know, you've talked a lot about in this discussion about control, mm -hmm. taking ownership. And successful business owners I interview, they bring up the same that they're, they're in control. Why are you still in control, doctor? Yeah. Um, you know, I like to control what I can control. I'm not talking about controlling people. I'm talking about, you know, um, controlling my mindset, controlling my environment, how I look at that environment, because there's a lot of things out of our control, right? Um, and we can get all philosophical. There's multiple ways to this, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's us that's in control of our happiness and fulfillment you know, and it's also ownership. Okay. You, you, I mean, you got to take responsibility. Um, you don't make excuses, you know, you don't, uh, uh, blame other things. There's a lot that's in your control and what's in your control is hard work and dedication. You know, no one else controls that, you know, that's, that's ultimately up to you. So I think, I think doctor, I think that that's innate. I really yeah. do. I think there are yeah. certain people who are looking and striving to take on more responsibility in this world. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's people who are looking to avoid responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like naturally those people who are looking to take on more responsibility naturally gravitate to being entrepreneurs because that's where control yeah. lies. Yeah. You control your schedule, control your income and control yes. employees around you that can make your business grow. And yeah. the most important thing that you brought up at the beginning of this discussion was, you know, outside of my vehicle, outside of my Porsche, I'm looking for financial freedom. And with that comes yeah. control. And I think you branching off and going into private practice and establishing your facility and taking the leap of faith and opening up this other facility is yeah. to aid what you truly want, which is financial freedom, which comes yeah. with control. So yeah. for people who are watching this, what are some things that they can do to get themselves closer to financial freedom? So it's like, you know, there's, there's that, there's that equation I read and this number continues to come up. It's like save 10% of your income. Right. Um, I think, yeah. So any paycheck that you get, you know, put away 10%, pretend it doesn't even exist. Put it in a savings account. There's something about savings accounts that mentally that we don't want to withdraw from. Right. So that's, that's number, that's number one. 
two, I think we tend to be in a consumer society, right? Whereas the super, super successful, the wealthy people, they invest, they don't spend. Whereas kind of people that are not as financially stable, they spend more than they invest. Like we like stuff and more and more people are liking stuff, you know? So um, just kind of whittle down. It's like when you spend something, when you buy something, be like, do I, this is something that I really need, you know? Like, I mean, honestly, I can sit here. I mean, there's, I could buy a yacht if I wanted to, you know, I can buy houses if I wanted to, but no, I mean, I, that's not what does it for me. Yeah. What's important for me is to save and invest, you know? So, because by the time I'm 50, I want, that freedom to be like, you know what? I don't have to work. I get to work. There's a difference. And when you have less of that pressure, I think you potentially get even better. And having that financial freedom will also have, give me more time to invest in racing, to invest in other dreams that may arise throughout the next few years. So, um, so I, heard, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I heard saving and then I heard investing. Now yes. the latter I love. I'm yeah. a big investor. I believe in real estate. And part of the reason why yeah. our practice is successful is we have a lot of people get into real estate and there's just no tax codes for real yeah. estate investors. When did your investing career started? Because I know you started out as a business owner, but yeah. when did mind shift shift to, you know what, rather than just parking yeah. all of this money into my checking or my savings account, I'm going to go out and push some of this into some investments. For sure. You know, and then honestly, this is a part of me that I'm still really working on because, you know, I, I got, pretty late into the game of uh, investing. Yeah. And then also before I forget this thought, you know, it's not, it's not what you make. It's what you take. It's not what you take home. It's what you keep. Right. Right. I mean, that's that cliche. Mm -hmm. And I think it goes along to what you do, what you do, you know, it's like, you know, helping do, you know, like decrease taxes, you know, because like, Hey, you know, we could be making a lot of money, but if we're getting taxed, you know, out the wazoo, it's like, yeah, we're taking home less. That's all that matters, right? And um, so, yeah, finding those areas where there can be tax write-offs. I mean, they're there for a reason. It's legal, you know? So, like, why not do it, you know? Who doesn't want to, like, keep the money that they earned, right? So um, back to taxes. Yeah. yeah. Money, you invest money, and then the next thing you're looking for is how can I keep it? Yes. And you yes. will have to run into the tax code again. So tell me, Dr. When did the tax code become important for you? When yep. did it become important for you to upgrade your CPAs? When did you ever run into a tax issue where you said, yeah. you know, it's time for me to start figuring out this whole tax game? Yeah, I think, you know, when I when I broke even and when I, because uh, um, I have an S Corp, um, so I'm incorporated. So once I had that, I had to... Uh, I had to hook up with an accountant. So, um, because that's where taxes really, you know, when I started making money, you know, that's when taxes really come into play, you know, because like I said, it's all about gaining value, what you feel you deserve for the work that you put in, you know, because, you know, I think, I mean, I believe, I know I provide value to people and I think that value, um, I gotta, gotta, gotta optimize, you know, um, and then, um, that, that sure. is so important is like, you want to, you want to benefit from the value you provide to people. And sometimes yeah. I can lead to tax benefits as well as a business yeah. owner. When I started out in my career, doctor, I was a W2 employee and I know yeah. you're a wage earner as well. And sometimes when I was outside of the workplace, I was spreading my knowledge. I was yeah. assisting people. But one of the things that I noticed that as 
I now can tell is that as a W-2 employee, you are limited on the write-offs you get to take when you work for an employer. When you're yeah. getting a paycheck that shows up every two weeks, whether you're putting in max effort or not, sometimes you don't get to benefit from these additional efforts that you're experiencing outside of that workplace. When you're out um, at a dinner chatting about your work and what you do and how you can help that person, but you don't get to take a deduction for that business meal, no. traveling to go meet up with the client just to help them out and you're a, a EMT or a nurse and you're not getting a deduction for that travel time. Yeah. So, you know, taking that next step and possibly branching off to become a business owner, it benefits you and it puts you in a, a position to become in control. Absolutely. And it, it goes back to like, what's, what's your, what's your mindset at the moment? You know, I think we talked about, you know, unfortunately, comfortability, complacency, you know, you know what, not unfortunately, like, I mean, there's people that do that and it works for them. I just know that's not me. That's not my DNA. You know, complacency is not my DNA. You know, um, yeah. I mean, it goes back to also like control. I know there's there's more out there. You know, and um, so it's just kind of just kind of having that knowledge base and having that faith to leap forward. You know, that's that's because to me, growth is happiness. So if I'm complacent, I'm not it doesn't lead to happiness, you know? So, um, whereas I'm growing and not money I'm talking about as a person, you know, to me, that's my gateway to happiness. And, you know, that's, that's ultimately what we all strive for in life, um, is happiness and fulfillment. And, um, I don't think that's talked about enough. I don't think that's talked about enough. Yeah. Looking for things that make us happy. I personally don't feel that the society talks about pushing for things in your life that are actually contributing to your happiness yes yeah being here in COVID-19 it was very evident to me the people who I wanted to talk to the people I didn't want to talk to the things that really were of value to me versus the things that weren't of value to me the the uncertainty really kind of showed you what things were extremely important your family spending time with your spouse if you had one or just making sure that your finances were in order yeah yeah yeah, no doubt. And then going back to this in investment question that you had, you know, um, during the height of COVID lockdown, like in March, you know, I wasn't really operating, you know, I was doing emergency operations. So like, go, also going back, like, I don't like wasted time, right? So I'm like, okay, what can I use this time wisely, as opposed to just sitting around playing video games, watching Netflix, you know, like, granted, I do that, but like, I keep it to a small scale. Um not doing it all day. I'm like, okay, what can, how can I use this time wisely? And I learned more on, on the stock market. You know, it goes back to investing. And I just, I had a finance, I have a financial advisor and I just kind of gave them the reins, but you know what, at the end of the day, no one cares about your bottom line except you. Right. Yeah. So I had to take ownership. I had to take more control and I had to feed my brain as to, you know, what the right thing to do. And Hey, you know, a lot of money can be made in a downturn economy. So stocks were at an all-time low and I was able to buy some blue chip stocks and I was able to kind of make up what potentially I've lost in terms of surgical volume just because I put in the time and just because I was crafty. And it goes back to, you know, Warren Buffett says, right, you want to be making money while you sleep. Yes. You know, because there's two buckets, there's active income and there's passive income. You know, I'm like, who doesn't want passive income? Right. Obviously, there's some there's time and commitment that's got to be put into that to get that passive income. But 
I mean, it's not like we can keep, you know, I don't want to set limits, but it's like, it's not like for me when I'm 90 years old, I can still be clocking like 12 hours straight in the operating room, you know? So um, you gotta, you gotta fill that bucket passive income and it's the compound effect. I mean, you know that like um, any little thing over 10, 20 years adds up. Yeah. It adds up. Yeah. So um, something that's got to be taken advantage of. And, uh, you know, I got until a little later. I wish I would have done it sooner. Um, but, you know, luckily, like I was married before my ex-wife was really on top of this. You know, we got life and, you know, we got life insurance policies, disability policies early on. I bought a condo early on and um, it's just kind of casting a wide net. So like real estate also, um, I own two properties right now. And that's something that I'm going to feed my mind more on terms of real estate investing. So, um, yeah, yeah. So using that. the money wisely because cash, cash, cash loses value. It does. And, yeah. and, and, and we are seeing more money being printed yeah. than, than I've ever seen before in my life. So the yeah. dollar is going to continue to go down in value. And, um, I know a lot of investors are looking for ways to hedge inflation yeah. and turning to gold and silver and, um, I bought silver, bought silver at low price. So yeah. <laughs> and, and this level of information um, that you have now, it's almost a different language. I feel like people who are going through life, not understanding what's truly happening at a bigger scale with the economy, they're going to miss out on how to take advantage of the ebbs and flows of the economy. Yeah. Information yeah. is how you can make decisions very quickly. But if you don't yeah. put yourself into a place where you can obtain information quickly, chances are you're just going to not be where you want to be as quickly as other people can. And at the yeah. end of the day, wealth is a game. And there's people who play this game very well. And there's people who are yeah. novice at the game. And I plan to be the winner. Any last yeah. tips that you want to give to the viewers that are watching today, Doctor? We've enjoyed this. Yeah, this is awesome, man. This is awesome. I think I just want to end like going back to how you can motivate people. A lot of people kind of look at look at people and look at situations. You're like, oh, I can never do that. You know, or this person is a special person. One of my favorite quotes is that it's not that there's extraordinary people. There's ordinary people doing extraordinary things. So when I heard that quote, I'm like, OK, OK, I can do it. You yeah. know, I can do extraordinary things, you know, so and, you know, that model has been proven, proven time and time again. So it's not something that's that's a pipe dream. It's something that's that's reality, you know, it so is. it is so just, reality, doctor. Yeah, I'm yeah. Blessed. I'm blessed to be in the position that I'm in because in our company, we deal with a lot of wealthy, high net worth individuals. But when they get on the phone with me and I hear their voice and how their lack of tech knowledge just comes through the phone. I realize that these people have humbled themselves to yeah. be on the phone with me, trying to figure out how they can protect their wealth. And yeah. you realize that these people are just everyday people trying to learn every yeah. single day on how to get better. And yeah. I'm glad that we brought you onto the show, doctor, because you're a very transparent person, being yeah. real with my audience today about who you are, how you've gotten yourself to where you are and why you and I like to go fast. It has been a For pleasure. Sure. Um, to my viewers here on Tax-Free Living, thank you so much for joining us today. And we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Take care. Yeah, and I'd love to talk to you about, you know, more about what you do. Hey, you know, so I know uh, Marco's been uh, highly uh, recommending you. So we'll sit down, we'll, we'll discuss, uh, we'll get on the phone and whatnot. And then uh, also, yeah, next time I go on the racetrack, I'll hit you up, man. 
And then uh, I've become a driving instructor. So, you know, I'll, I'll get you out there, get you fast. I'm we are 100% going to schedule our next yes. video interview on the race. Oh, yeah, for sure. Old YouTube content day. Yeah. And we'll decal, we'll de with de we'll decal our cars like, yes. like yes. big time. Yeah. Yeah. We should really set it up. We'll do racetracks. We'll get food after. I'm a big foodie. I'm going to take you out to get some really good food down here in Orange County. I think yeah. it'll be a great day. Oh, it'll be blessed. It'll be blessed. And it's going to be like a mastermind group too. You know, we'll inspire each other. We'll talk yeah. taxes, real estate. We'll talk ideas. We'll talk <laughs> ideas. Yeah. All right, my man. Appreciate you. Happy holidays. My best to you and your family. All right. Happy holidays to you, doctor. I appreciate your time today. Enjoy. Keep crushing. Keep crushing. I know you are. I know you are. All right. Thank you.